All right, let's kick it. Happy Sober Day, friends, and welcome to the Sobriety Diaries. My name is Nate, and I am a grateful recovering alcoholic and sober coach. My personal addiction has shaped the person I am today and given me the ability and voice to help others, and I simply wouldn't be here without it. Recovery is possible. The Sobriety Diaries is a video podcast where we talk to other recovering alcoholics and addicts. We hear their stories and hope to help others who may still be struggling. Head on over to the sobrietydiaries.com where you can apply to be a guest on the show and join our insiders list. And also please share this podcast with just one person in your life who may still be struggling. You just never know what they may need to hear today. Joining us today is a grateful recovering alcoholic, online content creator, and a friend of mine, Britt. Hi, Britt. How are you today? Hi, Nate. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, making time and being willing to share your story. I'm sure we can help a few people, and uh, I think we have that same goal in mind. So thanks again for being here. Well, you know that I'm going to ask you, do you feel like your sobriety is in jeopardy today? I did know you were going to ask me that, and I will say absolutely not, but I will admit that today has not been an easy day in recovery for me, but that being said, I'm very, very grateful to say that I do not believe that my recovery and sobriety is in jeopardy today. Good. Yeah, I think it's, you know, we have to work at it daily, right? And some days are easier than others. Absolutely. Well, with that, let's open the diary on Brit. Why don't you walk us through your addiction and recovery and what life is like today? Okay, so yeah, I'm Brit. And to tell you how I got here, I'm going to start from where I came from. Growing up, I grew in an alcoholic, abusive household. Um, my mother is still a struggling alcoholic today. My household was just very, very chaotic. It was a household where, you know, every day I woke up wondering what, what today will bring. Um, there wasn't ever really peace in my household. I didn't really know what that meant. Um, but from a very young age, I remember having, you know, some kind of a sense of awareness, definitely greater than myself, that the situation I was in was not normal. Um, and I'm very grateful to say as well that I also had this awareness that there's more out there for me. Hmm. So from a very young age, I, you know, I had big dreams, big goals, and I knew that my life would head in a direction also from a young age, helping people. That would be my mission. I just didn't quite know how that roller coaster of a journey would take me to where I am today. So, yeah, growing up in um, an alcoholic abusive household, um, looking back now, I wasn't really even giving, you know, the basic skills day to day, especially today as a mother, to thrive. Um, when I was 12 years old, my mom actually, she moved away with um, my little brother's father and that was a very, very abusive relationship as well. And she, you know, I have a lot of forgiveness now and understanding for my mother. She, unfortunately, um, her addiction and her mental illness is something that she was just 
not able to even become aware of. I don't, I, to this day, I don't know that she is even aware of those issues and how they have impacted her life and, and her children, shockingly. Um, so when I was 12 years old, she, my mother moved away and that's kind of when, <laughs> when everything changed. Um, I went from being, you know, I was always, I was always really good in school. Um, I was always, you know, the good girl because it was a way to seek validation. Did you grow up in like a city or like a rural area? I grew up in a really, really small town. Okay. A really, really small town. Um, And this town I grew up in as well, it's, there is a lot of alcohol use, a lot of drug use. Like it's very, very. um, Same small town. It was like the thing to do growing up. Just kind of expected that we would start drinking and using at an early age. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I'm a believer that it's a little bit like your environment and, you know, nature and nurture, right? Um, A terrible mix of everything. Absolutely. Yeah. When my mom moved away and I realized that the person in my life that was supposed to love me the most couldn't love me. I went on this mission of love to find the love that I thought that I deserved and look for it in all the wrong places. Hmm. Um, I actually began drinking by the time I was 13 years old. Um, the first time I ever drank was me and my older cousin. We stole beer from her, her mom, and we actually went to the movie theater and we ended up passing out in the movie theater and ended up having to be woken up by the workers there. And just like, so from the very first time I drank, I knew, I knew a couple of things. I knew I drank different than others. Cause even my cousin, like she was okay to kind of leave it. And I was like, no, we're going to finish this. Yeah. Um, I knew that it, well, I thought, you know, it gave me the confidence I wanted and it gave me that extra little bit of power that I could use to seek the validation and the love that I was looking for. Right. Really self-destruction looking back, um, looking for love in all the wrong places led me to some really, really scary, scary situations. I ended up meeting my children's father. He's not the biological father of my older daughter, but he took her in as his own when she was one. And I ended up moving to Burlington, where I live now, the city I live in now, away from all of my friends and my family that I'd had at that time um, and the support system that I'd had at that time. And we started our journey of toxicity and alcoholism together and that's when my drinking really really spiked like in high school you know I drank I I drank like all my friends right like yeah I didn't drink anymore because I realized now that I also chose the group of friends that was going to drink like me right exactly right so um do you think that you sought that in a partner too someone who drank like you absolutely yeah absolutely and that is a huge part of my story I realize now looking back that everything in my life fit with my alcoholism. Like I truly believe that I was an alcoholic 
me personally, before I ever even took a sip of alcohol. Same. And the second I took a sip of alcohol, it all started going downhill from there. But when I was able, I think the the mix that was really, really toxic for me was finding somebody that I was looking for that love for from and that validation from that I couldn't get from my mother and finding somebody that all was also beginning that journey at that same time looking back like we were both beginning that journey of destruction destructive drinking and behavior yeah from the get-go we never had a healthy relationship um we totally just used each other to almost validate our toxic behaviors um we both enabled our toxic behaviors um you know looking back on that relationship it's like i it's nobody's to blame there we are both equally it was a toxic relationship i ended up actually in moving to burlington i ended up finding a really good friend that also drank actually this friend drank worse than me i found a friend that drank worse than me because that's like jackpot for us we love that because at that point i you know that's because my drinking was starting to get bad right i moved to a new city i was finding new friends and i yeah so i searched for somebody looking back i definitely searched for somebody at that time that was worse than me and that friend at the time was a hairstylist and the salon she was working at was hiring so this is where I really, looking back, realized I started to make everything in my life fit with alcohol. Hmm. So that my relationship, um, and then I started working at the hair salon. There is a lot of drinking in that industry. Um, it's, you know, even sometimes it's like acceptable to drink in the salon and it's, you know, everybody goes for drinks after. It's just it is that like kind of party work environment, you know, and I'm not sure if you've had a work environment like that, but there, I have. it really, really is. Yeah. Um, so I also at the time was bartending, which I think is important too, because I mean, that for me was absolute gold. Yes. Like that was on every level. Um, just you know perfect for my drinking life. at work right I mean what drinking more could you work, ask for um it also you know something about it as a mom I will admit it what I was able to justify it as well because I was making money and you know making money from a family and right. so it was just yeah and same with with so those two tied together because I ended up doing both at the same time And then I finally decided because hairstyling for me too was the first thing, also big thing that gave me validation. So I was finally in a relationship that gave me all the validation I needed. I was, you know, I really was beginning to create an environment where my addiction was beginning to thrive. Looking back, Um, I, you know, I really went into hairstyling because Everyone around me told me I look like a hairstylist. I acted like a hairstylist. I was, I was great at it. And, you know, so I, I rolled with that. Um, it not being my passion at all, but it really, really fit with 
with my lifestyle and everything, all the validation and everything that I was looking for at that time. And also a very egotistical like industry. And at that time, I definitely like my ego was like really huge. It was feeding your addiction. It was, it was feeding, feeding your ego. Yeah. My ego. Um, just everything, everything looking back. Then when I get into what happened, my toxic relationship started to take over. My toxic work environment started to take over. My mental health had declined. I was living in a state of just extreme anxiety at all times. I would wake up every single day just absolutely sick to my stomach with anxiety. Um, I had no dreams. I had no passion. I literally was just an empty shell of a human being going through the motions, living my life. And thank goodness, looking back that I somehow managed to get out of bed every morning and take care of my children. Now, I definitely was not the mother that, you know, I wanted to be not a mother I'm proud of whatsoever. But thank goodness I was able to do that. Um, that being said, I, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I, I say like before I decided the first time to stop drinking about six months before that I'd already started my recovery in my mind, my mind started to shift. I started having those awakening moments. Um, I started thinking, I, it was like, I was that little girl all over again, mm. thinking like, what the hell is going on? My relationship had gotten so crazy at that point. And I remember in my house, like a very specific day feeling right back to that little girl that I once was thinking like, what the hell? Like, I know that there's more than this. I just, I just knew it. I just knew it. I didn't know what the heck that meant at that time, but I just knew it. And I actually started listening to podcasts. That was, that was like the number one big thing that really, really helped me even before, like I said, like start to shift my mind. Right. Cause right. when you look back, you, you're aware of those, like even the failures, right? Like yes. they're not failures when you look back. Oh my goodness. Every single one of those moments are stepping stones to get you to the next exactly. you know, level yeah. of awareness, really. Finally, something happened that shook my world, shook, you know, my whole family's world and everyone around me. Um, I got into an accident. I completely totaled my car and I luckily was completely fine and, you know, nobody got injured oh my goodness, what a blessing that is. I got a DUI. I spent the night in a jail cell and whoa. I woke up the next day and I was panicking, really. Um, I went to my first AA meeting. I, you know, like I said, this was finally something that happened. Like I was really, really, really good at hiding my addiction. Um, you know, people knew I was drinking to excess, but they definitely didn't realize the issue and the mental, like, downward spiral that I had been going. Like, at that point, when I say I didn't want to live anymore, I spent so many nights, you know, not once, thank goodness, thank goodness did I think of taking my own life, but I would sit there and think, like, I just 
wish something would happen. Yeah. How many times I actually thought to myself, I wish I could get in a car accident and and die, which, oh, like, I really, really, there was many, many, sorry, many times that I really, really thought that. And then I woke up the next day after my accident and I just panicked. But shockingly, it, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I have a problem. Oh, I, you know, I need to get my shit together. It was, oh no, everyone's, everyone's going to know I have a problem now. Right. So I better go to AA. I better get my shit together right now because the mask is off. Yes. Exposure. Exposure. Oh my goodness. To the extreme. And that's important because I went to AA. I really believe that I committed myself to that, to the AA program, which I so strongly believe in. You know, I had a sponsor. I, I just, I devoted my whole life to it. But the problem was I wasn't doing it for myself. I was doing it because I, I got in trouble. People are going to know. And now I better get my shit together or people are going to be talking even more. Right. right. It wasn't even six months in and I had a relapse, which was completely planned. I'd planned my relapse actually over a month before it even happened. I'd convinced myself um, I'd left my toxic relationship at that point. Um, after my accident, you know, I did by no means was that time sober. Oh my goodness. I did so many, I left my toxic relationship. I left my toxic work environment. I, you know, I made many, many changes, but I wasn't doing it for myself. It was not for me. And I, it was purely out of fear of external judgment and, you know, my consequences at that time. So, um, my relapse was not a short one. And I was still trying trying to actively be on a journey of personal growth and development. It just wasn't, wasn't able to happen together. Um, and then I had one night where I actually, um, I went to one of my son's hockey games. I'm so ashamed to say, but I went to one of my son's hockey games and I brought alcohol in my, in my coffee mug, like straight liquor. And I got really, 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 really drunk. Um, I woke up the next morning um, and of all things, I had had a new pair of jeans and I guess, I don't remember the night before I had had a hamburger. I spilled the whole thing. I dropped the whole thing all over my new jeans. And even that night I tried to get the stain out and I couldn't get the stain out. And let me tell you, I looked at those jeans the next morning and something about those jeans, when I looked at them, I said, that's it. This is the last freaking thing in my life that I'm letting alcohol ruin. And I don't know what it was. Like, I can't tell you what I felt that day, what happened, but something that day when I woke up clicked, I walked back into the doors of Alcoholics Anonymous. I walked back in there for me. I did it completely different. I completely committed to the program. I got an amazing sponsor. Everything I read, I'd read before. I'd heard the same things I had heard before, but in a whole other light. I believe that 
you know, people have a certain amount of time in recovery. And if you have a slip up and there are people that choose not to let that slip up, define them and they keep moving forward with their sobriety. Some choose not even to change their sobriety date. Everyone recovers differently. Sure. I really, really know that for me, I have to separate the two. I was in recovery twice because they were so different and I have to, it's also, I need to remember that. I need to remember what is different this time. I had to, and in creating everything in my, making everything in my life fit with my addiction, that meant I had to remove everything from my life and really start fresh. And I know that some, like everybody has that on different levels when they recover. Um, but for me, like, I really, again, I had to leave my career. I had to leave my relationship. I had friends, groups of friends that I had still had at that time. And, you know, some groups of friends I had to leave forever. Some I had to leave, do some work on my own and come, and I come back, I've came back to, um, but now more than anything, I, you know, I'm doing it for me. I have taken the time to go back and, and, you know, I believe I Alcoholics Anonymous is an amazing program that has done so, so, so much for me, but what has also been so crucial this time in my recovery is the amount of therapy that I've done. I've done drug and alcohol counseling in particular, which has really, 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 um, opened my eyes to, you know, I realized even how much of this, this, I had so much stigma around addiction. Sure. And now that I've educated myself, it is not only offered so much forgiveness and understanding to myself in my addiction, but it has helped me heal and move forward in the things that had happened to me in my childhood and the resentment I had still had for my mother. Um, you know, that's, it's hard when, you know, it's something in my life that there's always moments I, I you know, I want to go and try to mend that relationship with my mom. But right now, my recovery has to be the number one thing for me on every single level. I know that I'm not ready to walk that path right now. As recovering addicts, I think we understand a little bit more about addiction and mental health concerns. Looking back, did that factor into your willingness to forgive your mom or to look at a possible resentment that you have? It's tough because I still have so many open wounds that it's hard for me to go back and heal. Um, having a relationship with my mom right now is, and you know, it's, it's not that I haven't forgiven her. Like I said, going to the alcohol, the um, addiction, alcohol and addiction counseling that I went to actually, when we learned the science behind, you know, the actual science and what alcohol does to your brain, what, how it actually like that decision maker, you know, that little switch in your, in your brain, like that, it's, it shuts that off. Like it's a real thing. I had this moment that I realized, you know, like my mom didn't make the decision to leave me. Right. I had, I I lived my life for so long thinking, you know, like she left me, she decided to leave me. Um, now I believe that 
that her addiction and her mental illness has unfortunately gotten the best of her. And I actually have a lot of empathy for her now. Mm -hmm. So, but you know what? Yeah. Like I, I have a lot of forgiveness there, but you're right. I, I hold on to some resentment for my mother. Um, I think I have grown some of that resentment since being a mother myself. Sure. I have moments I look at my children and I go, you know, like, how, how could you leave me? I think that more than anything, I have empathy for my mother. I used to think that I had to wait until my mother was at a specific point in recovery or in her life. But no, I, now I, I believe, and I'm proud to say I'm able to meet people where they're at. Yeah. Um, and, and myself too, right? Because like I said, today is a good example. I didn't wake up feeling so great. Um, you know, I had so many exciting things today. I couldn't wait to do this with you. Um, you know, I had such a beautiful walk this morning with my children. It is a beautiful day. Oh, I, I'm, you know, I'm just having a day though, that I'm struggling a little bit to feel grateful. And every once in a while still, I realized like that victim mentality, I let it slip in a little bit and I got to be careful because if I let that slip in and take over, it's a, it's a good reminder, like how easily it can be taken away from me. For me, I realize it's the small things that I decide to do every single day that seem so small, that is so easy for us to, to not do or to push off because they seem so small that make the biggest difference in my recovery and, and my success in sobriety. And a, a big part of that is, is my community in, you know, on Instagram and staying connected to other others in recovery, like yourself. And it's one day at a time. It is one day at a time and it always will be. Yes. When I first got sober, my friend had, introduced me to the program and I was still in active addiction and you know I was a little hurt she was like my drinking buddy and you know now she was newly sober and I would always ask her are you really never going to drink ever again and she would always just say it's one day at a time like I know I'm not going to drink today and you know as an active alcoholic I of course didn't understand that but I think it is just one of the most genius things of the program that we don't have to look back and regret the things that we've done or look to the future and obsess over expectations and the anxiety of what could happen. It is freaking today. It is 24 hours. Let's get through it and do it again tomorrow. And I love it. Yeah, and you know what? And today for me, there are days it's a little tougher and today it almost feels, you know, a little minute to minute. Yeah. And that's okay. You said something about fear of judgment. And for me personally, fear led every decision I made for a long time. And, you know, there is kind of little that I fear now in recovery. Yes. I wonder if you have like the same experience. Do you find fear still cropping up? Are you sort of working on that in therapy? Talk to me about your fear and if it still exists I lived you know it's I love that you said that because I now I live for fear like in the best <laughs> way possible I almost look for it yeah. um, and I can't believe that I'm saying that today because I was somebody that 
my whole life, you know, and fear of judgment. Yes. Fear of judgment has been, I think that's definitely a huge pattern in my life. Looking back, I've always lived my life on like what I thought I should do based on anybody, everybody else's standards. Yeah. What I want to do. Like there's always been this, like every situation when I look back in my life before I chose recovery and sobriety and really, really chose myself, I always had this, this anxiety and this gut feeling, right. That was like this pull, like, because I felt like I was living my life out of alignment, like what I was actually doing or not doing really what I was not doing out of fear and what I really, really, really believed in and the life that I wanted was not aligning. Right. And like my gut was literally telling me that even what, I mean, what I'm doing today, if you would have told me with you today, like if you would have told me six months ago, a year ago, I'd be like, no way. Even how open I have become in sharing my story. I never thought that I would be. I, I preach now that I'm an open book. I am an open book. I, you know, there's some nitty gritty, dirty details that I have no shame in going to now because I've committed to becoming so honest with myself and I'm not like no more bullshit. I, I bullshit myself for so long. I'm going to be so honest with myself now that I'm going to call myself out before anybody else can. And even what I'm doing on Instagram and I live my life now, um, literally every single day looking for fear. I want to grow on this insane level now. And I mean, if you're not uncomfortable, you, you are not growing. You're not learning. You're not growing. Learning. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned in your story too about dreams and passions and you knew that you wanted to help people. And I think that you're doing just that today. Tell us a little bit about um, what you do and what you spend your time on today and your amazing Brit Back to Basics Instagram channel. So today I spend almost all of my time focusing on my recovery. I'm very, very grateful to say that I'm able to I have a very, very supportive partner who has, you know, our family situation has allowed me to take a step back. I've completely left my hairstyling career and I am following my heart, following, you know, what I feel is my mission and sharing my story with as many, many, many people, not even, you know, I used to think it was as many um, alcoholics or as many people in recovery as possible, but it's, is as many people as possible. You know, yes. I want to be a part of ending the stigma. I just want people to see and believe in themselves on this, this radical level. Like we have become so l- limited as a society, I feel like, and we are so limitless. Like it's, it's unbelievable. Like your only limit is your mind and it might not even be addiction. It just might be your life, like what your career, your purpose, or if you're just feeling like something isn't aligning, like you break through that because if you don't, like I said, it's going to be coming up to scream at you. It's going to be screaming at you forever. If I could get one person to just believe you have to believe before you see it. Because if you wait to see it, 
might not happen. It, it might not ever be there. I've been doing many, many scary things on my Instagram page. I never thought that I would be doing. Um, somebody made a point of saying to me actually recently in a very good way, it was a compliment that I am, you know, like very silly and almost like childlike, but in a, in a compliment. And I loved that because this has been in my Instagram page has actually been a huge part in healing my inner child. Like I can almost think back. It almost feels like a day. Like I could, I just remember that one day, like I said, that in my childhood, that that was the day that everything that I believed that I was got taken away from me because somebody else told me it couldn't be. So who were you before somebody told you not to be? I want to spread the message to, you know, the sober curious, sober curious movement is real now, you know, I think that now with, I mean, Instagram and social media, the more, the more you're choosing not to be mindful nowadays, it's, that's a conscious decision because, you know, we don't have to go searching for the information anymore. It's thrown in our face, just as much as an alcoholic, you know, the, the ads for alcohol and everything are thrown in your face. I think to the opposite, it's now all the information is there, um, you know, the health statistics and right. just wellness has become such such a huge movement now. I do have a wellness business as well. And the biggest part of that for me was my recovery has started from the inside out. I, and that's my mind that I've take time to heal my gut. Like I, I've had a lot of physical damage on my body from years of drinking. You know, I believe that it's not like, yes, I have physical fitness in my life, but I'm healing on every level. Like I want to be my healthiest. Best version of yourself. More than that, right? I, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I think that maybe that is when you're in recovery, it's like, if I could go back and erase everything, all, all the crap I put into my body, it's not just about removing alcohol for me now. It's what else can I do? Like, what else can I put into my body? How can else can I heal my body, my physical body, not just my mind? Yeah, that's great. I love that. What do you hope that people take away from hearing you on the podcast today? If there is one thing that I would want everyone to know and you know there's one person I could reach if you are looking for love outside of yourself you're already looking in the wrong place it starts within it and it ends within that's that's the thing that I've realized very 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 recently in my life you need total love you need full love, complete love, acceptance of yourself to not even to just be able to love others, but to be able to bring, to provide value to yourself. If I can offer one piece of advice to start taking action today would be to start practicing mindfulness. It starts there. You and I had this conversation a few days ago about being present. And I think that goes along so well with mindfulness and just being aware of your surroundings, being present in the moment and, you know, appreciating life. Not just being there. I think people look at the idea of presence of, I was there. 
it's more like we talked about when you're making your morning coffee. What is your more? What does that morning coffee smell like? When you're when I say practice mindfulness and practice presence, it's you know, and I like to use the example of coffee. Just there's smells. There's you know so many. Yeah. And so when you're pour like when you're pouring your coffee, when you're stirring your coffee, like and you see the steam even come up, like like pay attention to the little details, be so present in that moment. And I say that because that's an easy way to practice presence. You're not having a cup of coffee, you're experiencing your cup of coffee. There's the difference. Well said. Britt, thank you so much for your time today. I look forward to continuing our friendship and creating new fun things online. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening today, friends. Huge thank you to Britt for being so open and honest. Hopefully you heard something that resonates with you. And if we help just one person, our job is done. You can find all things podcast related and subscribe to our show at the sobrietydiaries.com, youtube.com slash Nate Kelly, where we upload today's video podcast or on Instagram at the sobriety diaries pod. Check back soon for new episodes with new stories to tell. But until then, try your best not to drink and be good to yourself. Bye, friends.